and I should never have gotten involved with it. But after watching the teacher smack her hand on the desk in front of my friend, after being in a class that was so difficult in my freshman year of high school, I just figured, hey, everybody else was doing it, I might as well too. What we'd done is we'd gotten to the point that one of the guys in my class had actually been so upset with my freshman uh, language arts teacher that he literally began a petition. And after a hundred plus signatures of freshmen and upper grade classmen, uh, they brought it to the principal and we effectively petitioned our language arts teacher into submission. I remember her standing there that day holding those names and looking at that thing and just utter disappointment, frustration, just offering to answer questions for tests and all kinds of things. It was one of the lowest moments in my life as I was looking at that scenario going, what did I do? Why did I sign that? And asking myself one simple question, why didn't somebody stop me? Why didn't I stop myself? You ever found yourself in a scenario like that? You thought it was a good idea when you got into it. You thought it would be awesome. You knew, hey, we're gonna do this. And in the end, you were like, oh, bad idea. Why didn't someone stop me? David, in our current situation is going to be in one of the scenarios. You see, he's going to be tempted just like all of us get tempted because around every corner is temptation. Around every corner is a situation which you're going to be offered something and it's going to look good. It's going to look right. It's going to be exactly what you hope for. You're going to jump in because everybody else is doing it. And next thing you know, you're going to wish, hey, why didn't somebody stop me? Well, we're going to pick up on a particular scenario like that here with David, and we're going to look at how he handled and dealt with this temptation that came into his life and the providence that got brought into it. If you've got a Bible, go ahead and grab 1 Samuel. We're going to be looking at chapter 25. We're going to start in verse 2. Now, if you're new with us with your Bibles, you can go ahead and find Samuel. It's uh, right there, kind of in the middle of your Bible. Open it up there, and you can join with us right there. What's happened is David is the anointed king, but he is not seated on the throne yet. He's not actually risen to that position. Instead, another man named Saul has that position. He is the king of Israel, and David is his general. Now, Saul is pursuing David to kill him, and every single time David seems to come around a corner, something else hits him. Some other problem occurs. Some other difficulty appears. And so in this series, as we're going around every corner, running into difficulties and struggles in this COVID world and all this stuff, we're looking at his life and this scenario. So now that you're there, let's pick up with David as uh, Samuel, the, this, uh, this judge and this prophet who had lived uh, and brought Saul and David to the kingdom has now died. And then we pick up in verse 2. And David arose and went into the wilderness of Paran. And there was a man in Maon whose business was in Carmel. The man was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep and 3,000 goats. He was shearing his sheep in Carmel or Carmel. Call it Carmel, call it Carmel. He wasn't making Carmel. He was obviously rich because he had lots of sheep, lots of money, lots of stuff. And he was providing this and using this to his own pleasure and his own wealth. And so we pick up with this man as David comes walking into the situation. Now, the name of the man was Nabal and the name of his wife, Abigail. The woman was discerning and beautiful, but the man was harsh and badly behaved. He was a Calebite. 
And David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep. So David sees an opportunity here. He finds himself in an opportunity to step in and examine what's going on. He was a shepherd. He knows how dangerous it is at sheep shearing season for thieves to come in, for wolves to show up. It's in the springtime. And then this is also a time to ensure that, hey, things are going to be made right. In fact, if you were an Israelite reading this text, you would begin to suspect something was going to happen. See, sheep shearing season in every instance when it shows up in the Bible, has something to do with some kind of party, some kind of environment where there's rejoicing, and yet at the same time, there's always a payback. There's some kind of, of um, way of righting a wrong, of paying back the debt. These kind of things keep showing up time and time again. So we would lean in and go, all right, what right is going to be wrong? What debt is going to be paid? What's going to happen next? And so as we lean in, we would pick up. It says, so David sent 10 young men and David said to the young men, go up to Carmel and go to Nabal and greet him in my name. And thus you shall greet him. Peace be to you and peace be to your house and peace be to all that you have. I hear that you have shears. Now your shepherds have been with us and we did not do them any harm. And they missed nothing all the time they were in Carmel. Ask your young men and they will tell you, Therefore, let my young men find favor in your eyes, for we come on a feast day. Please give whatever you have at hand to your servants and to your son, David. Now, that sounds a little shady if you ask me. I mean, almost thuggish. Hey, you know, we did you a favor. We watched your sheep. We made sure everything was good. Now, pay us back. It's like, wait a minute, I didn't ask you to watch my sheep. I didn't ask you to watch this stuff. Now you want me to pay you? So Nabal's going to probably listen to this in an odd manner. But really what David was doing was he was providing a service. He was really caring for the people, his own Judean brothers in the sense, trying to make sure that they were good. But Nabal hears it all wrong. In fact, it continues on. It said, when David's young men came, they said this to Nabal in the name of David, and then they waited. And Nabal answered David's servants, who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants these days who are breaking away from their masters. Shall I take my bread and my water and my meat that I have killed for my shears and give it to men who come from I do not know where? This is a very interesting situation because Nabal's insulting David. Not only is he saying, hey, you're acting like a thug, buddy. I'm not going to listen. I don't know where you come from. But he does. He actually says, aren't you Saul's servant who's rejecting him? Aren't you rebelling against him? Aren't you a rebel? Aren't you against God's anointed Aren't you just some punk like everybody else who's rebelling? David takes this insult pretty seriously. In fact, the very next lines show how serious. Verse 12 picks up. So David's young men turned away and came back and told him all this. And David said to his men, every man strap on his sword. And every man of them strapped on a sword. David also strapped on a sword. And about 400 men went up after David while 200 men remained at the baggage. Strap on your sword, right? David is like, time to go deal with this. And he's not going to deal with it in a very good way. See, David's out for murder. David is out for revenge. David is out to kill for an insult. And this is the problem with temptation. See, David thinks he has good reason to go kill Nabal. David thinks he has good authority to go kill Nabal. But temptation always appears to have good reasons. Temptation always comes and tricks us. It makes us think, oh, it's okay. This is a good idea. Well, you're just curious about this website. Go ahead and click on it. You're just curious about what the movie is really about. You know, you, you can 
You can yell back at that person. They yelled at you first. I mean, they insulted you. You have every right to punch them in the face, right? You, oh, you know what? We can riot and destroy stuff because injustice has been done. Or, hey, how about this? We can post extremely mean things to you because, you know, you just deserve it for how you treated somebody. Obviously, the idea in this scripture is we shouldn't repay evil for evil. That what we have to do here is understand that temptation always sounds like a good idea. It always has its good reasons. And just because you have the right, they say, doesn't mean or doesn't make it right. Doesn't mean that it is right. Just because you have the right doesn't make it right. As Christians, we lose a lot of our rights. We've said this. We've seen this. That David forgets who he was representing. David forgot he was God's anointed king to represent the true anointed one, not act like Saul. We forget that we are made in God's image and we represent God. And as Christians especially, we represent Jesus Christ. We represent his way. We represent his heart. We represent what he's called us to do. And that means we have to be careful. We need to look at how we treat other people, how we deal with temptation when it comes our way. And we got to go, wait, does this represent Christ? Whoa, hold on a second. Now, in certain cases, I, I do think that it's okay to be assertive. But the question is, have you pulled out your sword? What is your sword? What do you mean to go destroy? What do you mean to go kill? What do you mean to go attack? What do you mean to go do? Stop and pause and ask yourself, what is my action really here? And ask yourself, am I picking up a sword? Am I really aiming for help or for harm, for good or for evil? And temptation will dissipate as we begin to think about those things because temptation appears to have good reasons, but it doesn't. And in fact, when we hit those situations, that's when we hope someone would step in. When we're being tempted, when we're being pushed in a direction, when we're going with the flow and suddenly we're going in the wrong direction, that's when we say, man, why didn't somebody stop us? Somebody can. And that's called accountability. See, we need to ask God to send us accountability. We need accountability. We need people to keep us accountable. And for David, God's going to do just that thing. He's going to send him accountability. In fact, pick it up here in verse 14 as we see this accountability. It says, But one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, Behold, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to greet our master. And he railed at them. The men were very good to us, and we suffered no harm. We did not miss anything when we were in the fields as long as we went with them. They were a wall to both us by night and by day. All the while we were with them, keeping the sheep. Now, therefore, know this and consider what you should do, for harm is determined against our master and against all his house. And he's such a worthless man, one cannot speak to him. Now, this young man is an actual shepherd. He's been with David, walking with them. The men come back. He overhears what they said. He sees what David's doing. He takes off running and goes to Abigail. He knows who the wise one is in the house. He knows what's going on. He warns Abigail, and then Abigail, it says, made haste and took 200 loaves and 200 skins of wine, five sheep already prepared, and five sehas of parched grain, and 100 clusters of raisins, 200 cakes of figs, and laid them on donkeys. And she said to her young men, Go on before me. Behold, I come after you. Now, that's a ton of food. She is trying to make up for the problem. Immediately, she perceives this is bad. My husband is adult. 
He's a fool. In fact, that's what the word Nabal means, fool. And now he's, she's like, I've got to do something to stop this danger and to end the insult. So she sends this food ahead, and then she herself begins the journey. We see as she goes on, it says, But she did not tell her husband Nabal. As she rode on the donkey and came down under cover of the mountain, behold, David and his men came down toward her, and she met them. Now David had said, Surely in vain I have guarded all this fellow has in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that belonged to him. And he has returned me evil for good. God do so to the enemies of David, and more also if by morning I leave so much as one man of all who belong to him alive. When Abigail saw David, she hurried and got down from the donkey, fell before David on her face, and bowed to the ground. David's intention here is 100% murder. He's not just going to kill Nabal, he's going to get rid of everybody in his house. He is so angry by this insult. But Abigail throws herself in front of David, stopping him in his tracks, ending the whole movement. God intervened in David's life with accountability. And David's accountability is providential. He receives a providential accountability. Guys, we don't want to lean on the hope that God will randomly send someone to intervene on our sin. No, 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 no. What we want is accountability. What we need is true accountability. We need people to get in our way, to be a part of our lives, to stop us and to call us, to intervene when we are tempted. You see, sin, when it grabs hold of us, is almost impossible to stop. The way that um, James, the brother of Jesus, puts it to the church, he says, but each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. Then, desire, when it's conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. This word, lured and enticed, this is the idea of fishing. When you take that lure out, and you put it in there, and it's swimming along, and it's trying to catch the eye of that fish. Man, that fish thinks it's food. Grabs it, pulls it, the hook is in. Now you're done. It's going to conceive to sin. Once you've grabbed on, once you've been enticed, once you've been grabbed, it is almost impossible to stop yourself. You've given in. We need someone to get in the way. We need accountability. We need somebody would know. Somebody knows your pattern. Somebody knows what's going on in your life. But here's the question. Have you closed yourself off to others? In our culture of doing it your own way, of, of expressing yourself, you can sometimes close yourself off from others about your own sin, about your own struggles. You know, we all have patterns of sins. We all have things we struggle with. It might be your anger. It might be lust. It may be gossip. You might covet something online or somebody else has. You may have a shopping problem. You may have an eating problem. You may have a vanity issue and be overly concerned about how your body looks. Are you willing to tell someone the dark secrets of your life so that they can hold you accountable, be praying for you, ask you how you're doing? Get in your way before you even have started to move in that direction. See, we all put ourselves around people who influence us. Some people are going to deny your sin and say, that's not a big deal. Don't even worry about it. I would say, don't let those people influence you. Have people influence you towards Christ, who influence you towards the good. Um, one of my friends told me he's watching uh, a documentary on Shaquille O'Neal. And Shaquille O'Neal grew up in, in a drug-infested area, 
And what happened for him was he never made the choices to go in the gang direction, the drug direction, any of these things. And he said it wasn't anything that he had, but he had a group of people, and he called it his panel of honor, who could speak into his life and tell him no or tell him yes. And when they said those things, he would do those things. And he attributes all his success in business and sports and everything he has done to that panel of honor. Who's in your panel of honor? Who can you listen to that would tell you no and you would stop? Who would you listen to that tell you yes and you'd go? Who is your accountability like that who would get in your way even when temptation is around the corner? These are the kind of people that we want. It's no wonder that James later when he talks about sin, he says this, Therefore confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of righteous man has great power in its working. And James is very, very clearly calling us to be a people who know each other's sins, who hear each other's confessions, who are there to pray for each other and fight for each other. And that's why not only do you need accountability, but as we move forward, we need to get in each other's way when we're about to sin. We need to be accountability. We need to be the accountability. Get in each other's way when you're about to sin. Get in each other's way when something is going to happen. And you say, I'm scared to death to do something like that. Why would I get in the way of somebody when they're about to do something dumb? It seems like they would just get mad at me. Maybe they'd get mad at and try to stop things. Well, Abigail is going to be a great example for us. And her method is something that we should emulate. In fact, we pick this up right here. It's going to be in verse 23. It reads this way. When Abigail saw David, she hurried and got down from the donkey and fell before David on her face and bowed to the ground. She fell at her feet and said, On me alone, my Lord, be the guilt. Please let your servant speak in your ears and hear the words of your servant. Now, I love this. She pauses and she says these words, On me alone, be the guilt. You know, Listen to the servant. Let me be the one who has come to you and had the guilt. Now, first and foremost, I think what Abigail shows is an extreme courage. She doesn't wait around like, yeah, should I stop David? Should I deal with this? You know, should I leave it up to Nabal? I mean, he's got it coming, you know. No, she, she immediately grabs the food, grabs the supplies, goes to head off David, puts herself in the risk, puts herself in Jeopardy. And that can be the hardest decision to make because we can have all kinds of reasons why we shouldn't get in the way of somebody. But she does it. And that's the courage of a peacemaker. That's the courage of an accountability partner. That's the courage of somebody who's going to be on your panel of honor. And these people step in. And then what she does in this case to bring about a healing because she's on one side of it, she, she tries to take the blame on herself. She's like, listen, you put it on me. If you're mad at somebody, get mad at me. I'm getting in your way. Get mad at me. I, I, I didn't listen. I didn't do this stuff. In fact, she actually will say later, look, uh, she did not tell her husband Nabal, right? And she's like, let not the Lord regard this worthless fellow, this fool, Nabal, for his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name and folly is with him. But I, your servant, did not see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. She says, it's really my fault. I didn't see it. I didn't know this was going on. And I'm willing to take it. And what is beautiful about this, when an accountability partner comes to you and they're willing to get in the way, even maybe they've done something wrong. Maybe they're standing in between some other friend to stop you. Maybe they're standing between you and your sin. They can say, hey, look, 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 I know you're upset about something. Hey, just be mad at me that I'm stopping you right now. Whatever you need to do, I'm here for you. I'm coming for you. This is about humility. For, for Abigail, she took on the sin. 
She said, put it on me. I'm coming here in humility. I know I've done something wrong. I admit Nabal's a fool. And hey, I'm ready to fix this. For us as accountability partners, for us when we come in to deal with things like this, it's helpful to realize and understand our own limitations and our own foolishness. We don't want to come as more righteous than the other. We don't want to come thinking we've got it better. We want to come in humility. Jesus taught us this, right? He said these words, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let's take the speck out of your eye? When there is a log in your own eye, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Abigail illustrates this. She says, hey, I've got, I've got guilt. I didn't stop this. I'm not clean. I'm not perfect. But I'm here to stop you because I care about you. I want to stop you because this, you're about to do something bad. And this is what accountability really does. This is what getting in the way and making peace really does. It's willing to say, put it on me, get mad at me. Hey, I know I'm not perfect in these things, but I'm here not to be, not to judge you. I'm here to help you. It's about the other person. This is about love. It's about coming as a mediator, an accountability partner. Somebody's going to step in the way. So you check yourself first before you go. You go, you make sure this happened, and then she does what I think is the hardest thing. In fact, she says it this way. Now then, my Lord, as the Lord lives, and as your soul lives, because the Lord has restrained you from blood guilt and from saving with your own hand, now then let your enemies and those who seek you do evil, to do evil to my Lord be as Nabal. And now let this present that your servant has brought to my Lord be given to the young men who follow my Lord. Please forgive the trespass of your servant. But what she does here is incredible. Right here, she calls it blood guilt. The Lord has restrained you, David, from blood guilt and from saving with your own hand, taking justice into your own hands. He stopped you from sinning. What I love about what Abigail does as someone who halts someone in, in temptation is she points out this is sin. What you're about to do is go sin. What you're about to do is do something wrong. That'll stop you in your tracks. When somebody else is willing to show you and reveal it clearly, hey, the what you're about to post, that's sin. That's slander. What you're about to post is just mean. It's cruel. What you're about to post or what you're about to do, that, that is lust. What you're about to do is gossip. Hey, the way you're looking at yourself is wrong and, and cruel. When we point out sin as sin, it stops us in our track. It wakes us up. And that's what our hope is, is to reveal to people, hey, this is sin. Don't keep going. Now, she does one more thing before she ends, though. She doesn't just call it sin. She wants to point him now back to who he is, to remind him who he is as Yahweh's king. In fact, we pick up. Here next, it says, For the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house, because my Lord is fighting the battles of the Lord, and evil shall not be found in you as long as you live. If men rise up to pursue you and seek your life, the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of living in the care of Yahweh your God. And the lives of your enemies shall sling out as from a hollow of a sling. And when the Lord has done to my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you prince over Israel, my Lord shall have no cause for grief or pangs of conscience for having shed blood without cause for my Lord working salvation for himself 
And when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, then remember your servant. What she does, she stops him. She clearly reminds him, you are the anointed King David. You're not like Saul. Don't you remember? You're the guy who flung the sling. You're the guy who's received the promises. You're the guy who's going to be the prince. Don't forget who you are, David. She does this over and over. She obviously knows who he is and knows the promises. For us, you know who your friends are. You know who your loved one is. You know who that accountability partner is. And we got to point him back. Hey, this isn't a Christian way forward. This isn't like you. You don't want to become a mean and cruel and ugly person. You don't want to become a lust-filled individual. You don't want to treat people like that. You, you don't want to just covet and, and have tons of stuff and not have anything to give to somebody. You want to be a generous person. You want to be, a, you want to be what Christ has called you to be, loving and patient and kind. Isn't this what you want? I want this for you. Don't you want it for me? Hey, this is sin. Let's not go there. Remember who you are in Christ. That is the power of accountability. That is the power of a peacemaker. Someone who gets in between and mediates from you and stops you and holds you back. And this method gives us a chance to listen, wakes us up. Somebody gets in the way. They're willing to literally humble themselves before us, share in the blame even, stop us in our tracks by calling it sin, and then point us to Jesus Christ. You know, we need to be able to do these things if we're going to see a church that is holy again, and we're going to see a church that is walking in faith again, we're going to see a church that is able to live out here in this difficult time period. But that requires something else. It requires that when somebody comes and halts you and stops you and holds you accountable, that you receive it when it comes. And you know what? We all have good reasons why they're wrong. We have good reasons why. I mean, David is standing there in front of all of his men. David's got every reason to tell that woman, get lost. You know what? Nabal did this, and I'm going to prove it to these guys that I'm a strong king, and ah, da, 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 whatever. You could have every reason to say, you know exactly why you need to say what you need to say, because you've got the truth. Or maybe you know exactly why you get to do this thing and buy that thing, because, hey, I've been, I was held back as a kid, and that, whatever. We could have all kinds of reasons. In fact, the natural response is to get angry when somebody gets in your way because they're getting in the way of what you want. That's why we get mad in traffic. That's why we get frustrated when somebody slows us down because we want something and we can't get to it. And there's an interruption. Anger is a natural response. And so it's going to take us a chance to back up and to listen in order to receive this. This is what David does. In fact, we pick up in verse 32. And it says, And David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. Blessed be your discretion. And blessed be you, who have kept me this day from blood guilt and from working salvation with my own hand. For as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, who has restrained me from hurting you, unless you had hurried and come to meet me, truly, by morning, there had not been left to Nabal so much as one male. Then David received from her the hand, she, her hand from what she had brought him, and he said to her, go up in peace to your house. See, I've obeyed your voice and I've granted your petition. Right there, David listens. He actually literally receives the accountability when it comes to him. He takes it in. And this is not easy, but it is a great sign of wisdom. In fact, the Proverbs Solomon would write later, Do not reprove a scoffer or he'll hate you, but reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. Do we not want to be the people who become more righteous? Do we not want to become the people who are wiser? Then when someone rebukes us, when our accountability partners stop us, when somebody points out our sin, we're ready to listen. We're ready to take it in. Now, how do you do that? 
First, you got to step back. Sometimes it may just not be true, but still step back. Consider it. Right now, if you're thinking about some kind of evil, some kind of plot that you've got set in your heart, stop right now. Step back. Think about it. See if it's true. Admit that it's sin. Confess it. I call it pre-confession. Before you've even done it, admit, this is sin. I don't want to do this. Then remind, and then change course. Remind yourself of who Christ is. Change your direction. Go in a new direction today. Because you want to grow in wisdom. You want to receive the reproof. You want to receive it when somebody brings it to you. Don't reject it. Take it in. And then ultimately, if it's about vengeance or about anything else, let God have the situation. You see, God took care of Nabal. Verse 36 says, And Abigail came to Nabal, and behold, he was holding a feast in his house, like the feast of a king. And Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was very drunk. So she told him nothing at all until the morning light. In the morning, when the wine had gone out of Nabal, his wife told him these things, and his heart died within him, and he became as a stone. And about ten days later, the Lord struck Nabal, and he died. This is the case. God can handle it. God will bring about that justice. You may not be wrong. Your, your plot may not be about justice at all. You know, you may think they need to know something because, uh, as in gossip, you may think that, hey, it's okay to be curious, as with lust. Or you may think that, hey, I should, I should have that because I was wronged, as in coveting. But this is all based in a distrust that God can give you what you need. That God can satiate any of those desires. That God can be the one who informs someone appropriately. That God can be the one behind these things. We want to trust God that he's going to bring about his ends with sin. He will. And he's going to give you what you need and only better. So we don't need to, to take it into our own hands. Let God handle the wrongs that you face. Let God handle the things, even when it's temptation. Trust that God is what you really desire. And he can give you the desires of your heart. And don't take it into your hands. In fact, especially when it comes into vengeance, especially if it comes into anger, especially in this time where it's so easy to fall into the same temptation David's in as we're on the internet or we're out about with people and we just start getting angry. Remember that God is indeed the one who will bring about the justice on behalf of his children. In Thessalonians, Paul writes this, um, Since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you, speaking to the church, and to grant relief to you who are afflicted, as well as to us, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels and flaming fire inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying, listen, yeah, God will take care of it in his last day of judgment. He will deal with those people who have wronged you. Give it to him. Don't give in to temptation. Don't give in to vengeance. Don't give in to these things. There's plenty of opportunity to give in, and we need to get in the way. Maybe you need an accountability partner today. Who is that in your life? Pick them out right now. Maybe you need to be an accountability partner. You're ready to offer it. Call that person and let them know, hey, I'm ready to, I'm ready to help you. Let's talk through this. Maybe you're ready to listen. We'll receive it when it comes and give it over to the Lord and watch what God does. He helps us battle the temptations that come around the corner. You know, there's one more thing though that I want to encourage you. And if you watch this and I want you to know that you may have succumbed to temptation. We all have. We've all sinned. You may be sitting there going, I wish somebody had stopped me. I wish somebody got in my way. Well, once again, there is grace available. You see, Abigail is an image of something greater. Abigail is the picture of the one named Jesus. You see, Jesus came and said, take, I will take the sin. 
put it on me. And Jesus bore our sin on the cross. He got in the way of the judgment that we should have received. And he became our mediator between us and God. And he bore our sin, received it on himself. We were the Nabals. And man, we were the ones who are getting judged. But not by David, by God. And Jesus said, I love you too much to let you be judged. And God in the way on the cross bore our sins. And so he set us free from our sin. More than that, he overcame death when he rose from the dead. And though now we will die, when you trust Jesus and you receive that grace, you're not only forgiven, he gives you the chance of new life, eternal life. In fact, even more than that, he gives you the chance to follow after him, the creator of the universe, as your king. For he rose into heaven, he ascended into heaven, sat down at the right hand of the Father, and now leads us to victory. And he'll be back for us. And this is the message that you can hear. God has done this for you. He valued you and loved you by dying on the cross to bear your sins, to give you life and give you the leader that you need to give you the direction of the kingdom that you're seeking. All you have to do is receive the gift. All you have to do is receive it right now. You don't clean yourself up and make yourself good enough. You simply come as you are, messed up and broken, and give that sin over to him. He'll take it on the cross. He'll set you free. He'll give you new life and he'll lead you for the rest of it. If that's what you desire right now and you know you need that, I wanna give you that chance. Just right where you're at with your head bowed, your eyes closed, just say, God, I know that I've sinned. And I trust that Jesus Christ took my sin on the cross and I'm forgiven. And I trust that you're gonna give me new life because Jesus rose from the dead. And I trust that you will lead me now because he is seated at your right hand. Would you? Make me right with you and lead me through the rest of my life all the way into heaven, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you made that decision? Let, our, let one of our team know right there in that chat and just let them know right now. Say, hey, I made that decision. If you're watching this on demand later, you can let us know by, by indicating to us that you've received that by getting a hold of us on either our app or on our website at obcc.church. Or you can simply text this number below with that, with that call out, and we would love to hear from you. We want to walk with you and help you on this journey. Otherwise, guys, let's help each other out. Let's be accountability for one another, because around every corner is temptation.